Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you, for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about this, uh, this whole month here, pillars of the faith, basic principles of Christianity, of truth, of how God thinks, what he does. We'll be talking about the most important ones, really a combo. You're saved by grace alone. That was a fight in medieval times. That was the argument of the Reformation, was how are you saved? How do you have peace? How do you know it's going to be okay? By grace. Jesus completely, without your asking or participation, solely because he loves you, died and rose for you, purely out of his love, forgives and gives you resurrection period, totally, completely, done by God, by Christ, it's yours, it's free, that's grace. How do you have that? Only by faith. You don't have to do anything per se to get little pieces of it by simply believing if Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If you're going to rise again, you're going to rise again. He says so, and you say, amen. Let's say that, amen. I got a little funny uh, with my seventh and eighth graders. I, or just my eighth graders, actually, I told them that if they say, not for you guys, not yet, when you get older, that if they say amen during the sermon in a manner that makes sense, they get a regular-sized candy bar. Does that sound like a good deal? Yeah. Okay. Not for you, though. Not yet. Not yet. That gets you excited to be an eighth grader. Who's excited to be an eighth grader? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. It's, not, it's overrated. Yeah, enjoy yourself right now. It's good. <laughs> it's a good life you got. But so we've been talking about these very important, like this is life. This is everything, right? This gives you peace and hope. Well, as they were discussing this, debating this, it came down to a, really a reasonable question when one side is saying you're saved by grace, but you also have to do good works in order to go to heaven. And the other side saying you're saved solely by God's grace. You have everything in faith. When they argued this, a good point was raised. Who says so? Like, what's the authoritative text that we can go and see and, and have our debate with? Does that make sense? Like, who says so, right? And so what happened in 2019, I'm sorry, uh, 1519, a little, a little longer ago. Were you guys around 1519? No. Remember that? No. Oh, you were, Nick? Okay. So in 1519, uh, Luther was going to be in a debate with this guy named Johannes Eck. And uh, sounds boring, I know, but this is how it was. It was like back then, debates, they're a lot smarter back then. Debates were like, uh, uh, anybody like MMA or uh, Ultimate Fighting, anything? Anybody watch that? You should. It's great, right? Mono a mono, right? It gets built up. Or a great prize fight, you know, boxing. I mean, it gets built up. People are talking smack, etc., until that final event. And back then, a big debate on something like this. I mean, people got excited. It was in Leipzig, and Luther would come with his Wittenberg boys, 
And they'd all just come in, crash into the town. Uh, and then you have the Ek, the official church, by the way, a lot bigger, stronger, with their swords. They're back in the arena as well. This is true. This really happens. Getting excited about what's true, what's not true. And the debate lasted a week. Could you handle that? A week listening to people debate? It's actually, it's actually your life, if you think about it. You're always debating, right? So it's a week long. It almost had like a lead up to the series. You'd have some other people kind of debating, and then the finale was Luther over here, Johannes Eck over here. And they're going to argue about and talk about what does God really say? Are you saved by grace completely? Or do you have to earn it? Or a little bit of both? In this debate, Luther comes down and basically says, it turned into this debate, what's your authority? You know what I mean? Like, where do you go to? How do you know which is correct? You're saved by grace or you're saved by works and grace, right? Does that make sense? And so Eck, it was like, what's your authority, Johannes Eck? What's most important to you? What do you look like as authoritative or what authoritative text in your life tells you this? The same thing for Luther. What's ultimately the authoritative text? What's the ultimate book that we live by? The Bible. Bible. See, these guys know it. Why wouldn't Johannes Eck know this? That was the debate. And Luther comes up with something that had been taught by the church before, and that is, in the end, in the end, the ultimate authority for the church, the ultimate authority for anything the church or Christians or a pastor can say is holy scriptures, uh, what it, sola scriptura, or scriptures alone. When it comes to saying this is correct or not correct within what the church teaches. Does that make sense? This is huge. It's got to be in holy scriptures, and it's got to be clear. And if it's not, we, have no, we don't talk about it. But if it is, you have to say it. And so when it comes to saved by grace alone through faith, Luther and we should say it's everywhere in the Bible. It's clear from Genesis to Revelation, that's all it talks about. It's how we are messed up sinners, and by purely out of God's love, he comes and finds us. Jesus died for you and rose again. Paul says it in every single letter. You are completely saved by grace, his work, not by works. It's an act of God, and it's yours for free. I think we can say amen to that. Say it again. Amen. 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 And we know this because Scripture says so. This is really important for us. Back then, the ultimate authority over over the leader of the Christian church back then, over councils and smart people at their universities, Scriptures was king. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your pedigree is. If you say something that disagrees with what Scripture says, I have to go with Scripture. That's what that means. And what this ultimately means is this. Who is the ruler of the church? Who is it? Who do you think? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Wow. First answer. Like Jesus is. And how do we know what Jesus thinks? And how does he rule? And how does he talk? Through what document? What book? The Bible. The Bible. That's it. Anybody else? It's great. We should have leaders. You should have a person in charge of a bunch of stuff. That's good. It's good order. You should have pastors, of course, and parents teaching their kids. But ultimately, Jesus is in charge, and his words are recorded, and it's not up to us to make up our own religion or idea about God. We don't have to. It's kind of nice. 
Now, how is this relevant to you? We can look back and look at Acts, and we can look at the medieval times and that argument and think, well, of course the Bible is the ultimate authority for what a church says or teaches. How silly that they would argue this. But do you have a problem with the Bible? <laughs> yeah, no. I think that you do. Do you like everything the Bible says about you? Do you have conflicts with what God says? Do you have your own ideas about what you think right and wrong is? Or what humanity is? Right? We all do. We're all guilty of that. Because in the end, we all want to be the authority in our lives and of who God is. We don't want him to tell us what to do. We ultimately want to tell him what to do. It's hilarious because in this day and age, I talk about the Eck Luther debate. In Georgia, we have a Senate race, and it seems like all they're talking about is the Bible. What is the Bible? And they're using it, right, for just purely whatever they're racing on, right? We all do this. We take it for our own purposes. We skip past stuff we don't like. We grab stuff we think we do like. Everyone does it. In fact, it goes all the way back to who was the first people made? What were their names? Adam and Eve. And back then, their Bible, get this, their Bible was this big. Yeah, it had one verse. What was the verse? What was the verse in their Bible, do you think? What, what did God tell them not to do? Don't eat the fruit of the tree. That was it. That was Sunday school. That was church. Their church services were a lot shorter. That was it. Like one thing. Basically, God made everything. I made you. I'm God. You're not God. Don't eat that one thing. And what did they do? Yeah. Why? What? They don't trust God. That's interesting. Whoa, you're okay. They don't trust God. That's really good. The devil really did a good job of seducing them to think that they could be God. And that that God, he's against you. Literally, that's what it was. And so that's the reason why they took it. Why? Well, just like us, hey, I could be a better God than this God, which is insane, irrational, et cetera, but that's what we do, right? And so they take the fruit, but what's going on? I used to think that they thought, that Eve thought that by taking that fruit, it's going to make me into God, but no, no, no. The act, the act of doing my will versus against God's actually made Adam and Eve God's. And how did that go for them? They're God of their world. Do they feel good about it? No. Guilty? Ugly? That they would hurt someone that loves them? Cast out of the garden, etc.? That's what it does. But we have the same issue, don't we? Right? We like to skip things. We like to be gods of our own little universe. And you know what's interesting, I think, is that it seems like, like for Eve, and Adam, it must have felt like, yeah, I want that power. It's going to be freeing. If I can remove, and I can, if I can have God say whatever I want him to say, I'm going to be, it should feel good to be God. I'll be free. Does that make sense? We think that. If I could be God, things would be great. Think about this. You are the worst possible God in your life. 
In fact, any time that the one true God is replaced with any other God, including yourself, because we think, I'm going to remove all these laws so I'm never bad, don't have to feel bad anymore. We think that we're just going to free ourselves, but if you'll notice, all other gods, including yourself, are the most demanding, condemning gods. You remove this one true God and you become God, you're harder on yourself than God is in a sense. Are you a good husband? Are you a good wife? Are you succeeding? Have you got enough? Have you done enough? Are you good enough? You don't need to have God's word to condemn you like that. We feel it all the time, right? You are a slave master of your own life. Even ourselves, it's crazy. Every other God except for the one true God is a slave master, is always demanding, and it's never enough. All the religions, it's like that. Because it all turns into being law. Even though we make the laws nice and they seem like laws that we can do, we never really do them. It's never enough. The beautiful thing about letting God being God and letting Scripture teach is that it's got something that nobody else has, not even you. It's got Jesus, and it is Jesus, and it's got the gospel. Only this God and only the words in Holy Scripture have the treasure of you're forgiven. You're actually released. You don't have to be the best. You haven't been. You haven't been. God loves you. God died and rose for you. You don't do that in your own God kingdom. Only that God does. And only in scriptures are you told you're forgiven. You'll rise again. It'll be okay. And it is free. All other gods demand, consume, and never relent. This God, as we hear him in scriptures, releases and frees and gives and loves. And so we say, Scripture alone is my authority because it's the most gorgeous, beautiful, life-giving authority you could have. And on that note, we celebrate today the wonderful gift of the Teske family for what? Especially for our school ministry. Why? So that we can teach God's Word and give our kids peace of mind because the world won't and their job won't. And everything they chase after, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's always going to be a little less. God's Word gives peace and hope. And so we praise God for uh, Inge and what she's done, and we thank her even now uh, as uh, in her will that she benefits the ministries, the life-giving ministry going on at St. James. And I really say that not just like applause to the Taskies, but inspiring for you two to give the gift, to serve, to give, so that more people may know there is a God, and he is for you and loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good work. Good job.